grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians, St. Paul writes, We always pray for you that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our text. It's been a great month celebrating the 500th anniversary of the start of the Reformation. There's a couple of challenges with that, though. One of them is that that what you want to be the climax, this service, could end up being anticlimactic. Thanks to our musicians, I don't think we have to worry about that today. We'll see with the sermon, I guess. But the second challenge is that we don't confuse the issue by putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Confusing ourselves as to what it is really that we are celebrating. What is that? What what are we, who are we praising as we remember the Reformation? Martin Luther? Well, to some extent, sure. But not really. As our last sola reminds us, the glory all belongs to God. That's not to take away from Luther. God used him in a mighty way. Rather, it is to honor Luther's desire that not he, but God, be given all the glory. Soli Deho, to God alone be the glory. Let's dig into that a little bit today and and consider how God's glory is seen first in his son and then in his sons and daughters. I'll refer you to our sermon outline to, to help you to follow our thought there. God's glory is seen first in his son. But in some ways, you have to search for that, though, Because Jesus hid his glory, giving up the splendor of heaven, laying aside the glory of being God. But it is in hiding his glory that Jesus actually revealed it. Once again, we see how different God is from anyone or or anything else. Because Jesus found his glory where nobody else would ever even think to look in service and sacrifice. In other words, 
God's glory is best seen in his grace. I want to be careful that we don't miss that or that, uh, that we skip over this too quickly. This was the, the main discovery of the Reformation. When Luther figured out, when it uh, dawned on him from his searching through the Scriptures that, that God's glory is best seen in his grace, he tells us it is as if the gates of paradise were opened for him. Sometimes it seems ironic to me that that central truth of, of the Reformation, that thing which, which most thrilled Luther, can seem, well, boring to us, those who follow in Luther's footsteps. We've heard it so often. We know it so well. Not really news to us anymore. Except it is news. Good news. Great news. That Jesus with his service and sacrifice, the the life he chose to live for us and, and the death he chose to die for us, the grace he chose to show to us. That's where God's glory shines the brightest. His glory is so clearly and so beautifully seen in his son. But also in his sons and daughters. That's what Paul is talking about in our sermon verse. When he prays that the name of Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. There are two ways that happens. The first is is when we rejoice in his grace, and the second is when we live to his glory. We rejoice in his grace when, when we remember why his grace was necessary. When we remember how we had first and how we had frequently rejected the his glory, rejecting the immortal for the immoral. Paul talks about that a couple chapters before today's epistle lesson in Romans chapter 1. He's speaking of of pagans who are engaging in all kinds of, of gross sexual immorality. And he says of them, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Now don't get cocky here when you see the word they and you think about the context into which Paul was, was writing because Paul wouldn't allow that from us. He would make sure that we know that the pronoun they also can be the pronoun we. Because we also have exchanged the glory of the immortal God for a lie and and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. We have exchanged the immortal for the immoral. You know, immorality 
takes many forms. It can certainly be sexual immorality, but it can come in so many other ways as well. Immorality simply means that we don't live up to the mores that got the standards that God has established, and that's talking about sin. We have given up immortality, the immortal God, for immorality. Paul reminds us in our epistle lesson, there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No distinction. No difference at all. God created us in his glorious image. And like all who went before us and and all who will come after us, we threw that away. We did that. And we still do it far too often. We fall far short of the glory that God intended from us, that God desires for us. That's why we rejoice so much in his grace, which restores to us the glory that we had given up, the glory we neither sought nor deserved. In all of human history, only one man, Jesus Christ, could do that. We couldn't. We couldn't restore the glory to ourselves. We, we couldn't pay for our own sin, certainly not the sin of anybody else, and, and let alone the sin of everybody else. Christ alone could do that. Solus Christus. We're told, and we've been reviewing these past weeks, that that message, that Christ alone is our Savior, comes sola gratia, by the grace of God, and has received sola fide, through faith alone, as we learn sola scriptura, from the scriptures alone, which leads us to today, where we give glory to God alone. Those are the great truths of the Reformation, truths that all began to be formed and and to coalesce 500 years ago on October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther decided that he needed to speak out against some of the abuses that were taking place in his day. And in his mind, he didn't use these words, but in, in, in his mind, I believe he was saying, they, meaning the church of his day, had exchanged the truth of the immortal God for a lie. And that lie is that God's grace is for sale. So it was on October 31st, 1517, that that Luther nailed those 95 statements, theses, to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg. I'd like to let you see a a clip from a Luther video that, uh, that demonstrates that. To Albert of Mainz, Father in Christ and most illustrious Prince, Forgive me that I should dare to write to you. I make bold because it is my duty to serve you and to warn you of the crooked practices of those who claim to represent your grace. Christ did not command the preaching of indulgences 
but of the gospel. Forward this to Rome. Christians are to be taught that he who gives to the poor or lends to the needy does a better deed than he who buys indulgences. If the Pope can empty purgatory, why would he not do so out of love rather than for money? My God, who is this Martin Luther? Fritz? What? Dr. Luther wanted everyone to see that. And everyone will. On Reformation Sunday, we do remember Martin Luther, giving thanks to God for him, giving God all the glory for him, for what Luther did. And we pray that we will live the way that Luther did as far as giving glory to God. You know, Paul tells us that there's no difference between what those who know Christ and, and, and those who don't know Christ, what would we have deserved? No difference at all. But there is a huge difference in how we live and that we now live to God's glory. We do that, I would say, in, in two ways especially. The first is we do not take for granted His grace, but, but we rejoice in it every day which leads us to stand firm against the forces of evil in the world and in our hearts. And we do that for one simple reason. He has saved us. The truly remarkable thing that that He has done for us prompts a truly remarkable response from us. We live to his glory because he has saved us. And that's what matters most. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We read from the book of Concord. We believe, teach, and confess that if we would preserve the pure doctrine concerning the righteousness of faith before God, we must give special attention to the exclusive terms, that is, to those words of the Holy Apostle Paul, which separate the merit of Christ completely from our own works, and give all glory to Christ alone. Thus the Holy Apostle Paul uses such expressions as by grace, without merit, without the law, without works. All these expressions say in effect that we become righteous and are saved alone by faith in Christ. And so we give all glory alone to God. Amen.